In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The stunning claim of Holy Scripture is that in Christ's birth, we find our birth. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Christ is born that we might be born again. No longer children of the flesh from fleshly birth, but children of God from spiritual birth. Christ is born, and we are born again. And in his birth, we find our birth. Thus he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, showing also that we would be conceived by the Holy Spirit, made alive through faith and not through any doing of our own. He was born of a virgin mother, showing that we would be born of the virgin church, coming forth from the baptismal font as from her womb. He nursed at his mother's breast, showing how we should long for the pure spiritual milk of his word, that by it we may grow up to salvation. A little boy in Mary's arms, he is called the Son of the Most High, that we, in our smallness and weakness and insignificance, would not doubt when we are called sons of the Most High. Indeed, perhaps nothing makes us quite so uncomfortable as those things that God Himself speaks in His Holy Word. I have said, you are God's, and all of you sons of the Most High. God is born a man, that men might be born as gods. He becomes as we are, that we might become as he is. In his human birth is our divine birth. In his incarnation, our deification. There is not a single church father who thinks otherwise. In a third-century Christmas sermon, Athanasius, after whom the creed is named, preached that God was made human so that he might make us gods. Augustine says the same. He who justifies us also deifies us, for by justifying us he makes us sons of God. And in case you're wondering why, as a lifelong Lutheran, you've never heard such things, the answer is probably because modern Lutheranism has come to resemble vapid and senseless pop Christianity more than the Lutheran confessions and the Holy Christian Church. Luther says that God pours out Christ, his dear Son, over us and pours himself into us and draws us to himself so that he becomes completely humanified 
and we become completely deified. And everything is altogether one thing, God, Christ, and you. What objection could we have to such things? Only the objection of doubt, that this simply sounds too good to be true. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you would care for him thus? Or perhaps the objection of some doctrinal fear, specter of pantheism or the foul odor of Mormonism. But equal to false belief is unbelief, not believing that what God says is true. And it is the Holy Scriptures that call our God, God of gods. Who do you suppose those gods are? The idols? The false gods? No. You are gods, he says. Perhaps the deepest and maybe the most wholesome embarrassment we will ever experience will come when we stand before God, having ever doubted his goodness or the fullness of his good will toward men. Into a manger he laid his son, the father giving that which is more precious to him than even he himself, the ultimate gift of love, the ultimate gift of goodness. Born that we might be born again, the child of God given that we might become children of God. God become man that we might become gods. Thus the pure and innocent Son of God took human hands so that he might own what our hands have done, so that he would be pierced for our transgressions. He took human flesh so that he might own what our sinful flesh has done, so that he would be stripped, scourged, marred beyond human semblance. For our sinful words, his holy mouth would be struck. For our sinful thoughts, his innocent head would be crowned with thorns. For all the evil that flows forth from our fallen hearts, his pure and joyful heart would be pierced. Nails, spear, shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the Word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. For only in the flesh of De Jesus do we come to know God's love as it truly is. Love for sinners such that he himself would save us. Love for sinners such that he himself would make sinners gods. Only in the flesh of Jesus do we come to know who God is. And only in the flesh of Jesus do we come to know who man it is. That is, how man was created to be. 
For God made man to be his mirror image and likeness. Thus, in Jesus, we see man as he is truly meant to be, and precisely in this, we see God as he truly is. God for man, and man for God. Nowhere do we behold this perfection as clearly as in the manger and on the cross. For God made man to be his likeness and image, such that to see man would be to see God. Is this not what Jesus himself says? To see him is to see the Father. And this is precisely the glory that he is bestowing upon us. That one might look upon you and say, you are the image of God and the likeness of God. In your very thoughts, in your very words, in your very deeds, I perceive, I see God. This is the unimaginable honor bestowed upon us and what it simultaneously means to be both men and gods. It is also why you would never desire to be an angel or anything else in all creation. No one would ever exchange this glory that God has freely bestowed on man. Christ was born that we might be born again. A child is given that we would become children of God. In this we see the unfolding of the scriptures and the unfolding of this age. What God's purposes were from the beginning and what those good purposes remain. In Christ, we are destined to be deities made in the image of the one true deity. Gods made in the image of the one true God. No wonder St. Paul could write that if God gave us his own beloved son, he would most certainly give us all other things. No wonder St. Paul could write that these light and momentary afflictions we are enduring are working for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. No wonder St. Paul could write that these present sufferings, whatever it is they may be, are not worthy to be compared to that glory which will be revealed to us when we see the unveiling of the sons of God. As the scriptures say, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. And thus the Lutheran confessions say that God in his counsel before the time of the world determined and decreed that he would assist us in all distresses, grant patience, give consolation, nourish and encourage hope, and produce an outcome for us that would result in our salvation. He ordained before the time of the world by what crosses and by what sufferings 
he would conform every one of us into the image of his Son. Conformed into Christ. Or as I have been saying, his birth is your birth. His life, your life. His death, your death. His resurrection, your resurrection. His eternal glory, your eternal glory. For he became as we are, that we might become as he is. The angels rejoiced to see him laid in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And so they rejoiced to see you laid into the font, wrapped in the garments of his righteousness. By water and spirit, his birth became your birth, his incarnation, your deification, his father, your father. You, a partaker of his true humanity and his true divinity. You, a partaker of his suffering and cross, and thus also a partaker of his resurrection and his everlasting glory. But again, if all this sounds too good to be true, then give thanks to God that he is not limited by your sense of goodness, but is good in ways that we cannot fathom or imagine. Christ is born. Your sins are forgiven. Christ is born, and you have become children of God. Christ is born, and God says, you are God's. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.